Hello and welcome to week one, day four of the Death of a Thousand Cuts Couch to 80k writing programme. I'm Tim Clare. Not terribly relevant, but I feel weird if I don't mention my name because it's kind of my podcast. And um, Anyway, we're halfway through the first week and it's time to get another 10 minute writing exercise under your belt. So you've listed names, you've listed words you love or hate, and you've listed problems and conflicts. And, and you might be enjoying the chance to do some exercises that feel fairly low pressure, quite basic, that have clearly defined goals and aren't writing per se. On the other hand, you may be feeling a little impatient with me, finding them a little basic and not entirely sure what the point is. So I want to say there are two key things we're hoping to achieve this week. The first is to establish the rhythm of a new habit. You're going to turn up daily and give time to your writing, whether you squeeze it in before you head off to work or do it on the bus or on your lunch break or when the kids have gone to bed or just before you turn in for the night or all of those things on different days. Um, You making a space in your life for writing and your turning up is so, so important. The second thing is you're learning in a very rudimentary fashion how to silo. Every day as a writer, you want to be putting something away into your storehouse. An overheard conversation, a little tableau you spotted in the street, an odd fact about dogs, a quote from a book you're reading, a fragment of a dream. And not all of the things have to come from the real world, of course. You can generate ideas and people and scenes from imaginative exercises and the infinite plenty of your creative mind. And I know you know that you should be doing all this. There's so many things in writing that we have that if you ask someone, if you talk to people who are working on books, it's like, yeah, I know I should. I know I want to do that. No, I want to do that. Yeah, no, I, I think I'll, I'll try. And... and you you know it as well as I do that there's loads of ways that we could be being uh, more productive and better writers. The point of this isn't to create an oughtness that makes you feel guilty and horrible and you hope that somehow that guilt and uh, feeling of disappointment is going to motivate you in the indeterminate future to start doing more writing than you are and that'll make you feel better. But I'll, I'll tell you now, in my experience and the experience of all the writers that I've spoken to, trying to just guilt and horrible yourself into writing doesn't work because there's easier ways to stop feeling those feelings which are just to distract yourself by watching tv and it's tiring feeling guilty and that gives you less energy to write so the other thing i'm trying to do by giving you these little podcasts is just like set up some scaffolding and a framework for that so you do, by doing this you're fulfilling these things already and you don't have to worry about it it's just like making a list. So much of this stuff that we think is about willpower, that we think, oh, I'm constitutionally, God, I'm so lazy. It's actually just it's actually just an organisation problem rather than a willpower problem. And um, hopefully this little series of podcasts uh, just does the organisation part for you. So all you have to do is turn up and do the 10 minutes writing. If you really want to be productive... Uh, uh, and if you really want to be fecund and prolific, I know we all look at writers who seem to produce book after book or seem to always be writing with a, a certain amount of jealousy. And some of you, of course, I don't want to uh, alienate you. If you are one of those people who are wonderfully productive, that's really good. Uh, that's I'm really proud of you. Well done. And I'm sure there's loads I could learn from you. Uh, your problems are probably slightly different and you have to learn how to get past um, the tailing off of enthusiasm after the initial spark that drives you through writing new ideas and you're constantly trying to get them down but you find it harder to work on that and we'll do that you know in later weeks as well but I think something that just helps you be more productive and makes the quality of the work you produce higher is doing these silly little basics and just making them a habit 
keeping a notebook, noodling on a theme. Instead of spending that five minutes on Facebook or Twitter or just uh, lounging about, you know, putting in a five minute period just to noodle on a theme, just to list words, uh, making a list of all the ways you could disguise an elephant. These processes condition your brain so that when you approach the stupidly complex, punishingly long artistic form that is the novel, you've got resources you can draw on. Sometimes, uh, literally, if you've got a minor character who is, I don't know, the dad of the protagonist's best friend or the guard at the city's eastern gate it's so so useful to have this trove of names and traits and verbal ticks and details of appearance and other characteristics you can plunder to give them flavor and realism obviously you can overdo this technique and everyone in your novel becomes a sort of quirky pirate dressed in a random motley of unrelated paraphernalia oh look there's mortimer Finkelstein Jr. the third with his incredibly festooned bicorn made of camembert, small grubs oozing from the surface of the mouldering cheese on his head, his moustache flickering in the breeze. You know, like you could, you could do that every time, right? And it just becomes, I mean, obviously that was brilliant. That was... Un, I was under that was an understated and um, deeply artistic. It was nuanced in so many ways, and it suggests. I mean, but it suggests a character, right? And it is kind of interesting, and it does give you a visual. Not those specific things, but you can overdo it. Is what I'm saying. It, it it becomes tedious and tiring, but a little acuity of vision and one or two memorable details go a long way to making your scenes pop. I had to resist the temptation to actually make a popping noise there oh i'll do it anyway uh, and that's what we're going to do today for today's 10 minutes not make popping noises that'd be um useless uh, it wouldn't be useless it, i suppose it would show a certain level of faith and discipline but i'm not i don't need that from you um it's another list uh this time of character descriptions i'm, I'm talking physical descriptions here any kind of observation you might make in the narrative about a character and one of the reasons i want to do this is because you often have to make these up on the fly as you sort of hit a character and, and, and as you hit what they're doing. And um, it can be quite hard and you run out of them quite quickly. And I think it's useful to have, to start getting your mind working on these and trying to push past the obvious into something more interesting. Um, for example, you could say brown hair might be something on your list. Brown hair. He had brown hair. She had brown hair. They had brown hair. Um, you, no need for full sentences, though. Brown hair is fine. Um, on the other hand, brown hair is, you know, a little bit easy. Uh, you might prefer greasy auburn hair or dry chestnut locks or an immaculate beehive. Uh, your choices will suggest different characters and different registers and different tones for the whole piece, a different voice. Um, you might comment on clothes or... Uh, their size, uh, height, weight, the way they walk, um, their smell, their accent, their body language, their eyes, their teeth, their nose, their skin, objects they're carrying, some way in which they in they interact with their environment. Um, do they have piercings? Are they wearing a recognisable uniform? Are they well kept or scruffy? How can you suggest things about someone without directly saying them? I don't mean you can't really suggest that someone's got brown hair without directly saying it. But you, I mean, how can you suggest uh, 
elements of their personality without directly saying it. Now, I'm not suggesting these all be about the same character, um, just a list of different descriptions, many of which can be uh, mutually contradictory. Uh, don't worry about quality for now, but um, try and favour specificity over generality. Uh, you're just going to have to trust me on this one, and uh, I'll see you after 10 minutes. So are you ready? You, you'll need your laptop or something to write with. Okay, cool. Okay, your 10 minutes starts now.
And there we are. Another session done. I hope if you pushed far enough, you start to move past some obvious observations into more unusual uh, and original territory. Now, th these are not always easy things to come up with at your desk. And one of the reasons I, I wanted you to do it as a, a list rather than just sort of stating it as a general abstract principle is, um, is to get you thinking about it, to get you think... Uh, how limited some of these things are and how we can sometimes be forced down familiar tracks because I hope now um, as you go about your week you'll do two things one as you when you when you're reading a book you become uh, more conscious of physical descriptions of characters and you see how different authors approach this problem and you can start thinking critically about approaches you think work well and approaches you think don't work so well and some of those approaches will be to not mention the character's physical appearance at all or very very little it, it's sometimes surprising in books where we think we have a very clear idea of what we think the character looks like that their physical appearance is almost never mentioned especially where you've got a first person narrator or you know a third person limited uh, protagonist Un unless there's a kind of she looks herself in the mirror and, you know, and then she starts uh, describing her body in uh, ludicrous and occasionally lascivious detail. Sometimes we have a very clear idea of what a character looks like from how people, only from how people react to them or from their personality. And, it, and it, it does not appear anywhere in the book. That's an interesting one to look out for. The other thing is there are people in real life. So I hope um, you're going to keep an eye out as you go about your week for good details of actual people you can magpie and uh, stick into your story. Or if n you don't have to be looking for ones for a story you're writing at the moment. I think it's always worth noting stuff down. You never know where, where when that description or a, a transmogrified uh, version of it will become useful. So I, I guarantee if you just keep your eyes out for this week, think character descriptions. Just keep look at look for the world for like good little observations about a person. I guarantee you the world will respond by rewarding you with some real treasure. Right, I'll shut up now. See you tomorrow.